Welcome to the Daily Horror Habit Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Krieger, bringing you daily reviews of currently streaming horror movies for your twisted pleasure. Be aware that these reviews may include mild spoilers. And as always, I hope you enjoy. Today's review is of Il Cho's apartment zombie horror film Hashtag Alive, which is currently streaming on Netflix, telling the isolated tale of live streamer Jun Woo, who is trapped in his apartment during a zombie outbreak in South Korea. And here to help me avoid cabin fever is friend of the show, Bernie. How's it going, man? Doing well, man. I don't know how I'm going to help you avoid cabin fever after this, but I'll do my best. <laughs> I appreciate that. At least I don't know that. We're all trapped currently in our apartments and houses, but at least there's no zombies outside. Right. <laughs> As you are uh, Daily Horror Habits returning kind of resident zombie fanatic, I'm curious how Hashtag Alive stacked up for you amongst your uh, extensive zombie movie resume. Um, you know, it's a, I like the simplicity of the story. Um, it's definitely, it's not as much, I think, gore as you get um, watching like a Dawn of the Dead movie. Um, but I, I like the way that the storyline moved and, and I think you can kind of see Jun Woo in yourself a little bit when he's going through some of his ups and downs in, um, you know, being locked away basically in his apartment. Um, it seemed very, I guess you could say realistic for how unrealistic that zombie situation would. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's what stood out to me the most about it in that it doesn't take the kind of traditional route where like we're getting zombies decapitated every other minute. And it that's not really the focus of this. It's more about kind of just seeing how psychology behind being trapped in one location, whether it's because of a zombie threat or not, just kind of like deteriorates mental uh, status, as, as it were. I mean, to that point, right, um, you have at the very beginning, uh, it starts off with uh, Jun Wu's mom, I believe it was, leaving him a voicemail telling him to get groceries. Um, I can't say how much I relate to that, because that, <laughs> I feel like... And then, you know, next morning you realize there's a zombie outbreak and you're like, all right, I have three nature Valley bars. How are we going to survive this? So it's, <laughs> yeah. it definitely took me back to my, uh, to my college days where you wake up one morning hungover and you like look around the room to see what you have. And you're like, oh man, like you said, I've got a nature Valley bar and I've got half a bottle of water from the night before, like, but I don't want to leave my room. <laughs> but, uh, I really enjoyed how the film kind of jumps right into the outbreak. Right. I mean, I think within the first five minutes, we kind of learn about the outbreak. And then literally we see firsthand because Jun Woo looks out his window and shows us like the neighborhood is falling apart, basically. Um, I think a lot of times zombie movies in particular take a while to get started in a lot of ways where they either have to show us the outbreak over the course of half an hour when we know kind of like the gist of the film. It's about, it's a zombie movie. We know where it's going. So to kind of, not waste a great deal of time in getting to the outbreak, I think does this movie a lot of favors in that it doesn't feel bogged down. It's not kind of reliant on a lot of the genre cliches that we're used to that kind of just feels like pointless exposition where perhaps we're meeting a bunch of different characters or they feel like they have to show us the origin of the outbreak, whereas we know like where it's going. So to kind of like cut out all that legwork that... Who knows if it was going to be that well developed, I think really helps this movie kind of just hit the ground running in a way that I don't know if it necessarily kind of keeps that stellar pacing all the way through the movie. But I think it's a strong start. Well, to that point, too. Right. I mean, you'll see in, you know, Dawn of the Dead is kind of an example of that where it starts off. Um, you're seeing like 
TV clips, basically, of crazy gore and horror and stuff like that into uh into the movie with this i feel like it's more realistic in the sense of he's playing video games and then all of a sudden the people he's playing with are you know saying oh my god this can't be real turn on the tv right and then he starts to hear screams outside i feel like you would actually see that kind of stuff going on before you would actually hear about it um just because the the proliferation of that is obviously so intense yeah, and that's what was really engaging to me about this because, of course, this is one of those movies on Netflix that didn't hear about until I saw it pop up. I mean, the new edition of the Netflix Top 10 that's been introduced, I don't know, within the last few weeks or like a month ago, really helps to show what everyone else is watching because the reality is, is that Netflix has so much new content coming out on a daily basis that for whatever reason, like their marketing just can't handle that because the only reason I found out about it was is that it popped up in the Top 10. And that is what stood out to me the most is kind of the technology aspect of the film in that, I mean, from the title alone, it's hashtag alive. So we know that it's going to be taking sort of like a social media twist on a very classic kind of genre of horror, which it's zombies. Um, how well do you think the film actually utilizes not only it's kind of like a isolation apartment setting, but also the technology angle? Because while the technology angle is definitely kind of a unique spin on it. Do you think that they actually executed on it in a meaningful way? Um, I mean, again, you know, this seems to be a kid where he's, you know, early mid twenties, right. Um, late teens at, at earliest. Um, so he seems kind of like a gaming nerd. So you would kind of, you know, this isn't a guy that has special ops training. That's going to, you know, somehow take a fork and create a gun out of it or something. <laughs> um, he, attaches his phone to a drone and that's how he starts to assess the damage of of what's going on in the complex right i think that's very realistic i don't know if necessarily i'd be intelligent enough to attach my phone to ballsy enough but right he definitely has some ingenuity to it that again expands the scope of the story because if all we know is from the vantage point just of his eyes looking down I don't know if necessarily you can see some of the intricacies where, you know, how many people are alive? Is there anyone alive through the, uh, the windows is, you know, he kind of pans up and down them at one point and all you see are, are basically zombies kind of banging against the glass there. <clears throat> it gives you a sense of hopelessness. And I think that's where the story kind of starts going the first half before, um, you know, he ultimately tries to kill himself in that scene, right? Um, so I think it it gives you an idea of, you know, the first kind of, the first hour or two within an outbreak like that and what a person's process is thinking like versus, you know, I think it was day 14 or something like that when he was, you know, going to pull the trigger on himself, so to speak. Um, I don't know how I would survive just drinking whiskey and uh, <laughs> that doesn't sound like a bad idea doing it for 14 days with nothing, but I think he had just one ramen bowl. Yeah. Pretty, pretty devastating. So to that effect, I think they utilize the technology aspect really well where, you know, the internet goes out. Uh, it seems like there's only one or two television stations on at that point, which seems like they're the emergency ones, right? So it's very realistic to that point. And they utilize technology, I think, enough to carry the story without making it um, something that they can kind of harp too much on. Yeah, I think the drone scene is a really great example of how they utilize technology, not only 
to kind of like scout out the area, but it really gives you a sense of the setting because that's one of the most key aspects of kind of a singular location uh, isolation storytelling, right? Is that you have to make this one environment interesting or at least establish it enough that unless there's like some mystery wrapped up in where the film takes place, but in this there isn't. So in terms of using that drone to kind of give us a scale of the size of the building and we see that this is not an isolated outbreak, right? So we get a, a view of all the floors in the building and we can see other people that are either turned or they're getting ripped apart or we see the aftermath in their living room, essentially like blood and there's signs of a struggle and things like that. I was a little disappointed that the film didn't utilize social media as much as it could have in terms of like the film itself, obviously is called hashtag alive. And then there's even a scene where he takes a picture of himself with the cardboard basically. And I think it says like his apartment number and who he is and how old he is and things like that. And then he makes up a hashtag and he posts it. I thought that that was going to be more of an emphasis on how social media could help people stay connected or give people a sense of purpose or a way, kind of like the willpower to survive so they don't try to kill themselves like he does at one point. So in that regards, I think it was somewhat of a missed opportunity because early on it hints that that's a direction it's going to go in. And then later on, it kind of drifts away from that. It almost kind of becomes a little generic in terms of like it's it goes from this really interesting core idea, but then it kind of falls apart a little bit into what we're used to, I think, for a lot of zombie movies. But I do think that the technology did a great job of kind of giving the film dark humor, which I was not expecting, which was really refreshing. Like early on in the outbreak, he's on his phone and he's like scrolling through social media, seeing how other people are reacting. And there's a guy like hanging out of his window with the selfie stick trying to get reception. And he's like, oh, it works. And then it shows him falling out of the window. And then even kind of like the moment when early on he's making vlogs to like update his followers or community or whatever on what he's doing. And he gives this kind of like dour explanation of what's going on, like foods running low and all these things. And then he's like, please like, and subscribe at the end of it. Just like little moments like that, I think add dark humor in a way that kind of helps the kind of overall film not be a huge fucking bummer. Right. I mean, I can really relate as well to, to uh, June Wu in the sense of I have terrible reception at my house. <laughs> Probably end up being that guy with the selfie stick trying to, to get reception. But right. at that point too, I mean, I think there is a scene um, where at least to some extent the internet does go out. Although, like, I do 100% agree with you. They could have definitely made that more of an emphasis. I think just to the the reality of the situation of, you know, if the entire structure of society to that extent falls apart, you're, I don't know how long it would take for the internet to go out and for the water to stop running, um, electricity to go out. But that doesn't seem like too far-fetched of an idea for that to happen relatively quickly. Um, but I, I do agree with you. I think if they made that a little bit more of an emphasis, the ending, jump uh, too many places here, but the ending where they're flying away in that helicopter, you do see photos of people, um, looks like billboards almost on buildings, right? And it's faces that seem to have the same photo as, uh, June Wu did when he posted it on social media. I, I forget the hashtag. I want to live or something like that. Or yeah, live. Yeah. Um, but that I think that would have been a little bit more powerful. Seeing that at the ending, if they did make more of an emphasis, like you mentioned. 
Yeah, and I hope this isn't too much of an instance of me kind of not having my, like wanting my expectations rather than what we received, but it just seems like the film is constructed with this unique angle and then it almost doesn't go far enough with it or it kind of abandons it for a majority of the middle half of the film. And then like you said, it picks it up in the last two to three minutes of the movie in a way that it's like, oh, so other people have been using social media. It's they're using that hashtag, I must survive. And there just seems like so much unique storytelling potential from that angle to the point where you kind of wonder like why they took this unique idea and cast it to the wayside in terms of kind of reverting back to a lot of storylines we've seen before. Um, which, I mean, there's a couple of parallels to other recent zombie movies that I'll bring up in a little bit, but uh, I want to get back to kind of the isolation nature of the movie in that it is very much about how being secluded in an apartment, a single location, how that affects you. What did you think of the passage of time? Because it does jump around a lot within the first, I don't know, 45 minutes of the movie. Did you think it was too fast, too slow? Did you think it was as successfully used as it could be? You know, I think for zombie movies, typically you don't want to have too long of a lull in between action sequences, right? Or gore sequences in that sense. I think at the very beginning when um, the there was a tenant that ran into his house from a, a separate uh, condo there, right? Um, and it seems right away that like he's sick, he coughed a little bit, he went into the bathroom to tend to what seemed like a bite or a scratch on his neck and arm. Um, so conversing that with the way that, like you said, those next 40 minutes went where he seemed to be in isolation. I think that was a really good um, kind of way to mirror the craziness as well as the the loneliness of, of an attack like that or a situation like that. Um, although it was, there were points in that that were, I, f I feel like, a little bit elongated. They could have shortened it out. I think the message of the way that movie was going um, for the storyline, although it wasn't, again, as effective as we would want it to be, I think it served a really good purpose for it. Yeah, absolutely. I, t I totally agree with that. And that they kind of give you what you're expecting from a zombie movie up front with that interaction, that kind of tense standoff that ultimately reaches ahead. And it kind of has a, a dark comedic, ending to it like he's threatening to stab the guy and then the guy turns into a zombie and then he just hangs off the balcony and the zombie kind of just falls head first out the window which was a pretty funny kill but I do agree that I like they kind of gave the audience what they're expecting up front and then we jump into a more unique take on a zombie outbreak and how it's more about the psychology of how being isolated affects you and obviously not only just rationing resources food and water and weapons and things like that but also we get that great sequence where he begins to hallucinate. Yeah. And that's kind of like where the time lapses come into play, where we see seven days, 14 days, 20 days, and he hasn't had water for a good chunk of time and he has limited food. And then we see he like cracks in the whiskey, which definitely doesn't help when you're dehydrated. But you get that sequence where he hallucinates his family coming home, basically. And I really like that scene because it's not something that, while like hallucinating due to dehydration is not necessarily a new take on surviving. I haven't seen it a lot in zombie movies and I almost wish that we had seen more instances of things like that because it kind of would as good of a job as the film does. I think of showing how the human body begins to break down over time. If you don't have the sort of nutrition, uh, nutrition and things that you need, I would have liked more of those to even break up that 
40 minute chunk or whatever we want to refer to it as of him just kind of like coexisting in this empty space for an indefinite almost amount of time to, to that effect or to that point excuse me um i think the most uh prominent example of that in a zombie movie would probably be like season four or five of the walking dead i, I can't remember which one when they were in the prison and yeah um uh the main character um, rick Rick, there we go. Thank you. Um, he hallucinates, uh, you know, that is Lori. Lori, is that her name? Yeah, that she was alive and then he wakes up or, you know, he comes back to, you know, surface or whatever and he's watching zombies coming towards him. That's what I was really worried about when um, uh, Jun Wu was next to the door and it looks like he's hugging his mom. And again, we know that he's obviously hallucinating with this. So I was just worried that, you know, all of a sudden a zombie had come through and it's biting him or something. So it just, it made me tense up a little bit to that point, right? I think the other thing that was really powerful, though, um, in terms of helping him get to that point was watching that police officer die. Um, I forget if that was in that first scene when the, I I think it was right after the initial outbreak. Yeah, it takes place like the night after the outbreak. Right. And so she, you know, she's running for help and this kid has no idea what to do. Right. And he watches just a a horde of zombies basically, you know, take her out. Um, So I think that kind of let him know at least as a viewer, from a viewer's perspective that there's no help, right? If that's what's happened to a cop, then I have no chance with a broom or whatever else, you know. I think it was a golf club. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was his main means of defense. Which, don't, don't get me wrong, I mean, it, you know, you can make some damage with that, but uh, it's not going to help too much in, in the scope of things, right? So um, I think that just helped to serve his kind of fall into that rabbit hole of, of you know, sadness, essentially. Yeah. I mean, so bringing up the zombies, that's one of my favorite kills in the movie is when the cop is getting overwhelmed by zombies and instead, and when they do get on top of her and they're like, eat, start to eat her. It's not just kind of that traditional, like, yeah, they're going to eat her kind of scene. They actually, it's, there's something like athletic about these zombies in that the three of them grab her and then they almost drag her as if they're like a wave and they drag her to another horde of zombies that are hiding around a corner. Like there's something very, again, like athletic or almost wave-like about the zombies that I really love in, it gives them a newfound aggressiveness that I think really complements the movie because there aren't a crazy amount of zombie kills in this movie. It's not one of those movies where the body count is in the hundreds or thousands, like a World War Z or a Dawn of the Dead or whatever. It's more about a few isolated instances of violence that I think as a whole, it makes for a stronger movie, right? The movie has such a small scale in terms of the focus is on this one character for the beginning of the movie uh, in this uh, apartment room or this apartment complex. And so the idea that they would try to make the scale of kills or zombie encounters like larger than life would kind of do away with the focus that they spend the first half of the movie on. But uh, what did you think of the zombies as a whole? Did you like their, the way that they kind of contort themselves? Did you like the effects that are applied to them? How do they kind of stack up against uh, other zombie films you've seen? Yeah. I mean, they're, I feel like those zombies are are a little bit different than than other zombies that we've seen. They're kind of a a mixture of I would say like Train to Busan zombies, World War Z zombies, and maybe like Land of the Dead. 
maybe land of the because they they have some sort of intelligence. Uh, you'll see at the very beginning uh, of the movie, one of the zombies it seems like is trying to open the door, right? Yeah, and using the doorknob. So there's some kind of either through learning intelligence or, or innately some part of the brain is alive in that sense or, or functioning. Right. Um, but it's very eerie because you'll have scenes where, you know, for instance, what you just said, those zombies took out that police officer and, and kind of brought her over to, to the rest of them. Right. Um, but then you'll also have a scene where there's a zombie that's holding a rope and he basically like free climbs up. You know, to try and kill the um, the lovely Miss Kim Yu Bin. That was at least to me when I was seeing that. It I don't know. It it, it brings it's kind of funny the way that they shot that because then you'll have uh, Jun Wu send out his um, his drone to try and kind of distract it. Um, but innately, that zombie knew that there was something else, you know, kind of better on the other side of that uh, rope. So it didn't pay the drone much attention. So again, it just kind of points to that they have some level of intelligence, but obviously not enough to be able to overwhelm them or, or do some other things that would have helped kind of, you know, eliminate those guys. Yeah, that was one of the little tidbits information that we get through the uh, news bulletins that are on TV, right? They said that some of them, in addition to cannibalistic tendencies that all of the zombies have, that some part of them is able to retain either functions or roles that they had. And the guy that's climbing, the zombie that's climbing up the rope is a, is in a firefighter outfit. So like it stands to reason that in this zombie universe, it makes sense that he's capable of doing that. And I think that that is an interesting twist. Like it's not always my, favorite type of zombie. You know what I mean? I'm more traditionalist, I suppose, when it comes to zombies. I don't want them using weapons or like having skills. But in terms of this story, there are there's that dark humor, right? Again, coming back to that and applying that dark humor to a zombie. Like, yeah, why wouldn't a zombie firefighter be able to repel a building? And so little moments like that, I think it all comes together nicely and it kind of fits the aesthetic of that and the kind of the humorous direction that that zombie film takes. So in that regard, I think it works really well in this. Now, if it was like a 28 days later type, like super serious, super depressing all the time, it would not work for me as well as it does here. But kind of that emphasis on humor, I think does it a lot of favors in terms of making it feel like it fits within the context of hashtag alive. But given the limited cast, I mean, we're with uh, Ojun Wu for most of the film, until about halfway through when, like you said, we meet Kim Yubin, who's his neighbor across the way. And the way that we're introduced to her is that uh, the protagonist is about to hang himself in the living room, right? He hasn't had food. He hasn't had water. He's just been ripping bottles of whiskey the, for the past week or so. And she stops him from doing that with like a laser pointer, right? And she signals to different mes like inspirational messages or uh, I think it was some type of religious scripture that was in his apartment kind of reminding him like, hey, you have a reason to live. So in terms of the limited cast, I'm going to be honest, I don't think Oh Jun Woo is that interesting of a character. I think he is, partially it's because his character is supposed to be this like live streamer, kind of like basement dweller. Like all his, his world is 100% defined by a monitor, right? Like he's a live streamer, he's a gamer, whatever kind of cliches you want to apply to his character, that's him. He's very awkward with females, which we learn through his interactions with um, Kim Yu Bin. And 
he's just not that interesting. And he like jokes a lot with her about how he's an idiot or he's dumb. And I mean, his character never really rises above that. There's not a whole lot of growth with him, which I thought was surprising because other than the very end of the film, like he doesn't really develop any sort of rapport with her other than like one pivotal scene that uh, I'll bring up in a minute. But what did you think though about Kim Yu Bin? Because for me, I think that if she was not in that middle half of the movie and obviously the rest of the movie after that, I think the narrative would have lost me. I agree with you, right? I think to to the director's point though, in terms of making this as, again, it's a zombie movie, so saying realistic is a little silly, but to make realistic as possible if you take a kid that plays video games all day right and put them into a social situation most of the time they're going to be a little awkward let's be honest right at least to start with so if you're taking a situation where a kid is is somewhat socially not aware right and then you know you'll see little scenes like again where she gives him food i think it was and she um, she messages him on the radio about something. And uh, he said, I, I forget exactly what he said. He said something relatively silly. Um, he goes, I can still hear you. Right. This is like fuck or something like that. And then she goes, I'll hear you. Obviously it's to, to lighten up the film a little bit, but I think that's realistic. You, I think, you know, uh, people that are in that kind of a mindset are a little self-deprecating. So it's not totally unreasonable to see that. But to your point, I mean, this is a kid that, you know, he's not necessarily growing into himself. I think you just see more different outbursts, whether again, he's running around the complex looking for food or scavenging, right? Um, trying to save her. It, it looks like he's doing it in a very clumsy way rather than in an intelligent way throughout the film. Yeah. I really like the. I guess at the same time, like I like the contrast because then it gives Kim, you bin the sense of authority almost in the world that he does not have because like we kind of see what his security measures are and it's, he put a fridge up against the door and a zombie was still able to get in. Whereas we see uh, Kim's apartment and she has the chairs with the sharpened legs on it. So that way if a zombie comes in, she can skewer them. And then she's even got like an ax that she can decapitate them or brain them with. Um, I like that contrast. And I think that her character, if again, like if she was not there, then I just could not be that engaged with that character with uh, uh, Jun Woo. I think that after a while, like I just got so tired of his character, just kind of like moping around the idea that, he doesn't go foraging in that entire apartment complex that he's in for like an hour, the first hour of the movie, um, where you would assume like, hey, man, like you're running out of shit. Maybe it's worthwhile to go look around the rest of the complex. Especially when you have energy. Yeah, especially. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, but one scene that I really like and probably one of my favorite scenes in the film between the two of them is the screen split noodle date, right? where the screen splits and it shows both of them in their apartments. Obviously their complexes are across the street from one another. The parking lot divides them, but we get to see them both sitting on opposite sides of the screen at the same time. And they're like making ramen noodles in their bowls in their different ways. And like they have the similar meal and yet they both prepare it differently. Like one puts the noodle in first, one puts the noodle into the water or something. There's like some kind of humor between that, that, um, 
wasn't that relatable to me, but I think it boils down a little bit to like, do you put the milk in first or your cereal in first kind of thing? Um, and that's one of those kind of like cutesy hinting at sort of a romance moment, but it never really goes all the way there. Right. Right. Um, but it is a scene that I think it shows both of their characters personalities. And yet, despite how contrasting the two of them are in terms of them being completely opposite people, there is some common ground there. And I like that that common ground is found in a way that is kind of cutesy, but also just the presentation of it. I really enjoyed. Well, I mean, first off, let's just say this. I, if anybody puts milk first before the cereal, um, again, psycho, psycho move. Right. Um, but looking at the character of Oh Jun Woo, I think it would have been very weird if the way that his character arc goes, if he started to be like sexualized Kim Yubin in some way, right? Right. Yeah. Very much a buddy buddy kind of a feel until the end where it seems like there's some kind of a hint towards a romance, but it's still never, you know, fulfilled in that sense, right? Spoiler. That's kind of like why I describe it as being like the portrayal of that is very cutesy, right? There's like, it's very subtle flirtations, right? Now he doesn't go from being this kid that lives behind a screen 24 seven to all of a sudden he's able to like romance this woman that he meets from across the way. Right. But I just like that. It makes it, it's a little more intimate. Whereas you kind of see how awkward he is. And yet there is this kind of middle ground that they're able to find, even though she is very strong willed and capable of survival. And he's this nerd for lack of a better word. Like, they're still able to find a common ground that makes that shows their personalities and how there are some similarities, even if at the end they're completely different people. I will say this too. Um, you know, to that point, it is you do see that that uh, relationship starting to develop. I think towards the end, where um, you know Kim Yubin first sends uh, Oh Jun Woo some. I think it was a bowl of ramen and then was it a kit platter? I think it was granola bars and uh, water. There we go. Yeah. And then at the, you know, probably 30 or 40 minutes later, he goes out to forage and he ends up getting some Nutella, which shout out Nutella. It's amazing. Anyway, They're going to be a podcast sponsor soon. Oh yeah. Um, and then he sends that off to her as well. So it's, you can see them starting to work as a team. It's not just a one way relationship. Um, but the other thing that was kind of interesting to me too, there was a moment where, uh, you know, uh, Oh Jun Woo and Kim Yubin are talking and he makes a reference to her saving his life. And then you see her get kind of choked up and say, um, it's, it's not that I saved you, you saved yourself. So again, one of the kind of underlying, I think, themes of this movie is just survival, right? It's people who get into a situation that isn't pleasant and they're able to even through the toughest circumstances and mental, you know, acumen for so for, for lack of a better word, um, they find a way to get through that. Um, so I just, again, it, to that effect, I think the story um, is realistic and it's, it's powerful to that effect. Yeah. And it, I mean, to your point, it does capture the kind of angle that they're taking with the film and the fact that they're able to translate that in a way that is not along the same kind of like general lines that zombie movies have. Like that's kind of like the big thing with the walking dead. They're like, you have to survive, but then it turns into this endless bloodbath kind of thing, this larger than life portrayal of survival in a zombie world. Whereas 
in this film, yeah, there's zombies and yes, they're deadly. And yes, we see them at multiple points, especially later in the film. It is really more about the individual in a lot of ways and how people have to remind themselves and others like you have to survive. But then we see the reality of what it's like to have to survive on your own for 20 days. And the film never kind of romanticizes this idea that anybody can survive because then it's not scary. It's not tense. You can't really feel for characters if everybody's presented as being a warrior, like uh, not to suggest that like Kim Yu Bin is a warrior, but she certainly has a fighter's instinct almost in terms of like her survival ability. And we see that she is much stronger will than he is. And that scene that you mentioned where he starts to bring up like, Oh, you saved me. And she wants to talk about anything else. I think that she had had a past experience that she never divulges, but it seems to imply that she doesn't want to talk about that because she probably had to experience something similar to that, where she lost a loved one or a loved one killed themselves. And it's almost as if like in their memory, she pushes on and perseveres in the face of the uh, undead hordes as it were. You know, really quick, as you were saying that, it kind of reminded me a little bit. I, I know that they're different characters, but just in terms of the way that their relationship is, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Jim and Selena from 28 Days Later, where you have this guy in Jim who wakes up and he doesn't necessarily have an idea of what's going on. And then Selena kind of helps him along to better understand what's going on, how to survive the reality of the situation. So to that effect, I think Kim Yubin does a really good job of kind of keeping him grounded, right? Um, a lot of times where I think oh, Junwoo would have done something where if, again, Kim Yubin wasn't in the picture, he probably wouldn't have made it out alive. Right, yeah. I mean, as we see, if she hadn't intervened, like he would be dead after that 20-day mark or so. But uh, yeah, my only thing with her is I wish she'd been introduced earlier in the movie. I wish that they had kind of, because she's such a great character and it gives, obviously his character, I've said my bit on not being thrilled with his overall character. I think that the film is really reliant on him for, I think, what, 45, 50 minutes into the movie of him being the protagonist, or he is the protagonist, but being the sole focus rather. And I just wish that they had introduced her faster. But I mean, yeah, she's, I mean, Shin Hai Park, who's the actress that plays Kim Yu Bin, I mean, she does such a fantastic job of kind of rounding out the narrative in a way that the rest of the film probably wouldn't have held up for me had she not been introduced. And it was very refreshing not to see them use her as just a plot device, right? Like, it's not like she saved his life and then she gets killed 25 minutes later or something. So it was nice to see a character be that strong-willed and be that instrumental to the protagonist's own survival and then not just simply kill them off or move on to a new character introduction. But um, what do we think of the uh, Good Samaritan Psycho? At the end of the film, just when we find out what three doors down, there's a survivor, which again, it like did not do a good job of foraging or scouting in his own fucking building. <laughs> but uh, what did we think of that whole segment? Because while it's not the most, I don't know, original premise for a zombie movie, like to find the perceived good Samaritan that in fact is like feeding survivors to a family member. What did you think, though, of kind of like capping off this particular film with that? Uh, I mean, again, I think it goes to the naivete of both Ojun Wu and Kim Yubin. I think Kim Yubin was a little bit, you know, her antennas were a little bit more up. Uh, you know, he gave them, I think it was spam and corn, and then he gave them. I noticed at least 
you know, this is my own kind of silly way of, of evaluating this, but anytime I see a camera in a movie pan to the water, I know something's in that water. <laughs> right. Um, you know, with the invitation, it was like that when they kind of did a close up on the wine. I mean, I, the list can go on and on in that, but I obviously, I think everybody, when they were watching that, they were on red alert because you don't just find a good Samaritan like that, especially, um, you know, he seemed like he was relatively, you know, okay in terms of he didn't have scratches or anything like that. So the fact that he's just holed up and he didn't notice anything that they're doing, whether it's, you know, uh, transferring the, um, you know, food products over from one another on that rope or, you know, shooting a gun and running around the building, like you would have thought he would have been some more of a help to that. Um, so to that effect, I mean, the way that that happened, and then again, the clumsiness of Ojun Wu, where, uh, basically Kim Yubin is getting about to get eaten by uh, that gentleman's dead wife now, zombified wife. And he drops the pistol and he goes for the rope instead of killing that guy. I mean, it, it just, again, speaks to that character didn't develop a- enough as he should have. But I think, again, if we're talking about something that's a little bit more realistic, how many of us in that situation would be able to think clearly to that? you know so i give him a little bit more leeway i think than you do it to that effect yeah that's true um i like the inclusion of this whole moment right like again i think meeting somebody in a zombie apocalypse and they're so cool and calm about the whole thing is a major red flag where and again it kind of shows that no matter the experiences that ojun Wu has had throughout the film he hasn't changed much and we see that in the speed at which he eats right like again they even though they have enough food to just like barely survive, when he rips off that can of spam, he just starts like gulping that whole can down. And she's again, he needs a reminder to like slow down. You're going to make yourself sick. Uh, and that kind of like little moment definitely just shows again, like no matter the experiences that he's had at heart, he's very much still like a kid. Um, but I did I, overall, I like the inclusion of a good Samaritan psycho and that kind of scenario. Again, it kind of just, it speaks to the individual, right? Like we see how some people choose to survive. Some people like Ojun Wu, after a certain point, they choose they're going to opt out, right? And then you have characters like Kim Yubin who decide, fuck that, I'm going to survive as long as I can until I starve or whatnot. But then we meet the Good Samaritan Psycho whose wife gets bit and it's like, he could opt out or he could try to survive. And he's gone for like door number three where he's like, I'm going to feed survivors to my wife because I can't bring myself to kill her. Um, and I think that in, while it's not the most original premise to put into a zombie movie, like we've seen that in countless different zombie media, I think in terms of this film and its focus on the individual and how people choose what kind of survivor they're going to become, or maybe the, just the type of survivor they become and they don't really have a choice in it, right? It's kind of like this series of events have led me to become this person that I never thought I would become. Um, in terms of that, I think it works really well in a way that kind of caps out this film because otherwise we just have them running around again to another apartment complex or like it doesn't really you need some type of new danger that I think feeds into the character focus of the film rather than it's another swarm of zombies or another horde of zombies right now let me ask you this is it realistic that only three people out of 
you know, however many thousand people or hundreds of people that live there would survive. Did, did you find that realistic or um, did you feel like there maybe should have been maybe one or two other survivors somehow in play with this? I think that that would be a reasonable assumption, like that there's more survivors in the building, even though we get that shot of the drone and we see chaos unfolding. Yeah, of course, there's going to be a couple of people that either live by themselves or somehow they were able to fortify their unit in a way that kept them safe. Um, I don't know if the film necessarily needed more survivors. You know what I mean? Again, talking about it's a large scale environment, but the focus of the story is very contained, right? They want to capture that claustrophobic, isolating nature of an apartment complex and the few people that are survivors. In that regard, I don't think that they should have included more characters, but which again, if they didn't have this whole Good Samaritan segment and it was about them running to another apartment complex or something like that, or trying to cross the bridge that we see at one point that leads to like the downtown area that gets bombed by the government at a certain point, then more characters might make sense because the world or the scope of the film is opening up. Whereas if we're going to stay in this unit, I think the focus needs to be on as few characters as possible. So that way they can be defined, right? It's not just going to be like thug two and three that are just aggressive and they're just defined by their aggressiveness. I think not that these are the most complex characters, but I think more care, less characters and being defined a little bit more by their actions and certain traits they're able to show makes for a stronger narrative. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with that. The one thing that struck me as kind of strange about that scene was he get they get drugged and then Ojun Wu wakes up way too fast. Yeah. <laughs> the knockout, whatever the knockout uh, drugs were, they lasted for like five minutes or something like that. And then he's just up and about and he's just like, oh, nothing happened. I can grab this gun and I'm going to shoot this guy. That part was strange. And I didn't also re- understand how the the good Samaritan psycho wasn't also drugged if he drank from the water. So maybe then it wasn't the water, it was the food. It was, but, I, but they opened the food. That's what I don't understand. Like the guy put drugs in the food and then resealed the containers. Maybe it was something that was in such small quantity because he seemed like he was a little bit bigger than they both were, where it wouldn't affect him versus it would affect them. Um, That's true. Kind of like drinking on an empty stomach. Yeah, I guess. I mean, though, I think the fact that it wasn't that strong to your point meant that he wasn't necessarily trying to fully knock them out to, to the point that like she would be dead while uh, the, his dead zombified wife was killing her to, to that effect. I think then it doesn't, it's not just, you know, he's trying to help his wife and he's afraid. I think there's more of a point to, he's a little bit out of his mind. If A little bit. You know, I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt, <laughs> but yeah. So I, you know, I don't think it was an, uh, at least from his point of emphasis, I don't think it was to necessarily take them out and then they they die by the, you know, being asleep zombified, right? Um, it was more of so there's some kind of a struggle. Um, I think the other thing too was um, I noticed there was a scene where. Um, where Ojun Wu is out, he's foraging, and then there's zombies that walk by him. And some of them don't look like they have eyes, um, have some sense in, in that kind of way. Um, so maybe if if Kim Yubin wasn't moving, like she was asleep in that sense, right? Maybe the zombie wouldn't have gone for her. Um, 
I just a just the way that those kind of zombies might function. But that's the only reason that I could think that he wouldn't have just completely knocked them out. Yeah, and that scene. I mean, to wrap up that scene, they inject another moment of that dark humor, right? That is very much a throwback to. Do you ever see The Mist with Thomas Jane? You never. Oh man, we have to review that at some point. Never mind. I'm I'm gonna save uh, I'm gonna save my comment then if you've never seen The Mist because. That's a movie that we should definitely review at some point in the future because that has probably one of the top 10 best horror endings of all time. Don't look anything up about it. We'll just, we'll jump, we'll have you jump into it blind and circle back to it. But uh, the, in terms of like the, the big escape scene at the very end of the movie, that was almost conceptually to execution. That seems exactly like the ending or the uh, apartment escape in World War Z. Did you notice that where like they're about they're right at the edge and they're about to jump and the zombies are coming up and then the helicopter slowly rises and the guys in the helicopter just light up the zombies. I was like, dude, come on again. You had this unique angle and you chose to end the movie with almost verbatim what happens at the end of that scene in World War Z. I think that's also, if I'm not mistaken, I think Resident Evil had a, a scene with that as well. Um, yes. In the second one, Apocalypse. Yeah. When they're in Raccoon City still. Um, but to that effect, I mean, again, I, I understand where the director was trying to go with it, but we have seen that cliche kind of a thing so many times. I wish that they did, you know, one of the things that I noticed immediately when they got on the roof, and this is what my own kind of crazy zombie survival guide was like, get on a roof. There's like there was a stairwell going up to a second floor on that roof, and there's a ladder to whatever that trailer was on top there. I mean, we've seen zombies be able to you know climb up ropes, so I'm assuming that they would be able to figure that out eventually. But there is a way to to avoid just standing near the edge and being like, all right, it's either we jump or we get taken out by you know these fifty zombies that are running at us, right? Um, but I I like the fact that they again the way that it ended in terms of them flying off and seeing those billboards, I thought that was pretty clever, but the way that they got to that, um, you, you know, they heard helicopters flying away from them, you know, a couple miles away. You see a scene where there's like two or three of those helicopters, right? That's why they run up to the top, but then you don't hear a helicopter that's the building until it's you like, so that kind of stuff, you know, I, you know, that might be my own kind of craziness, but I, I, I hate when that kind of stuff happens. So here's my pitch for hashtag live. If I have the title and I'm making the concept, my concept for this movie would have been not that anybody's asked for this. This just came to me, but it would make sense if the whole film has this technology angle it's presenting. If it was about people in different apartment units in the same complex communicating via social media. And then the reason they have to go to the roof is that the Wi-Fi gets knocked out. And then it's all about them having to communicate without using Wi-Fi and trying to get the Wi-Fi back on. Like that, I wanted this so badly to fully embrace its technology angle, which again, I think it's a fair assumption. The movie's called Hashtag Alive. He makes a, a, a I must survive hashtag and it goes viral. We see at the end of the movie. Like it's very clear that that was the basis basically for the movie. And yet- that is only in 25% of the movie, probably. It's in the very, it's bookended by the technology segments. And then everything in the middle, while some of it is 
definitely succeeds in what it does, capturing kind of like the psychological effects of isolation. And then we get that great secondary character. It completely abandons the technology angle in a way that is super disappointing to me because I think that had they kind of focused more on that, this movie would be even more unique than kind of some of the zombie cliches and things we've seen in countless other zombie movies that it kind of leans on a little too much towards the end. I, I fully agree with you on that. I mean, I think, you know, you could have scenes where you have, you know, uh, a survivor asking for help. They think that that's a SWAT team coming and then they realize it's zombies when they open the door and, you know, see it from a drone's perspective of them getting taken out. That opens yourself up to more creativity. Um, so if there is going to be an American version, for instance, I'd be surprised if they went down that way. Comcast with their wonderful internet, they'd probably hopefully nobody has T-Mobile. But uh, but yeah, to your point, I mean, I think that they definitely could have been a little bit more creative with this. But I I don't know what the budget of this movie is, but it seems like it's very minimal in terms of the set was what maybe five different sets. I mean, you have the inside of the building, inside of uh, Kim Yu Bin building, uh, the outside and the roof, basically, right? I mean, outside of doors that they run through um so i mean for however little the the money was that they had for their budget i think they did a relatively good job of at least portraying this kind of a zombie yeah i would i would agree with that like the production value is very high for as minimalistic as it is and yet even though it is very minimalistic and that's mostly because it's like a singular location for a majority of the movie or it's a singular kind of overarching concept tied around one location right um I think they did a really great job of just like the zombies aren't skimped on at all. I think that they're obviously their design is awesome, but also kind of like the way they contort themselves, which is very train to Busan-ish. Um, I think that looks great. Like there's even this, it's almost like a music video, the intro to the movie. Like it, I think it doesn't come up until the first five minutes of the movie where then it cuts to this music video esque thing where it's showing like the different strains of mutation. And there's this, crazy soundtrack playing that's really cool. Um, so the production value on this movie is fantastic. So I would agree with that, um, which I definitely think helps because if the presentation was not as it was in terms of quality, I might be a little rougher on this than I am. But again, like you had said, I think it does do enough well that it's by all means, it's like an average zombie movie in a lot of ways, which is watchable, right? There's no part of this that's not watchable. It's just that the overall presentation, I feel like, picks up a lot of the legwork in terms of like the lack of originality, I think. Right. I mean, to that point too, right, in terms of lack of originality, um, that opening scene, there's a, it seems like a daughter and she's looking at her mom and you're from the perspective of, um, of Jun Woo you have them basically staring off at each other. They hug each other. And then you see the daughter like, you know, mutate with her neck or whatever. Right. Kind of and then she starts biting the mom. Um, I, it's, it's a little too cliche again, because you have people running by and you're like, okay, this might be a happy kind of a moment. And then they'll end up getting taken zombies and she's the zombie. Uh, the, the one thing that I was it kind of piqued my interest in the sense of it seemed like these types of zombies, it's not again, like a 28 days or 28 weeks later when they'll like, you know, vomit blood on you and that's how you get it right. Or they'll bite you. Um, 
it seemed like you get bit, but it de- it's dependent on how much you got bit to the point of you can have a conversation with someone for a couple of minutes or look normal enough to where other people will hug you contort and become that zombie so to that effect it's very interesting how they actually you know made that and whatever you know sequel that comes about this or if there's a prequel to this it'll be very interesting to see how that genesis of the zombie i think came about because they're very unique in that regard yeah i think the zombies are definitely a big combination of a lot of different zombies from a lot of different series right and i think to your point it's it seems that infection is based on the size of the bite Right. Because like you had said, if you get a little bite, you might last longer and be able to have conversations with people. And yet if you get completely jacked up like that neighbor, uh, it doesn't take that long. It takes less than an hour. Um, And I like the kind of horde quality that this has with zombies in the sense that it almost they become like a wave almost. But it's to a lesser degree than World War Z, which I like. I like that it's not there's 10,000 zombies and they're climbing up a wall, piling up over the wall. I like that. Even in the zombies and the number of zombies, it's a smaller scale, right? Which speaks to the idea that this is a very kind of self-contained story and the scale is very small because while there might only be 15 zombies at a time, it's 15 zombies running down a hallway in an apartment building, which it might as well be 10,000 at that point, right? It's all about kind of making all the different variables and elements of the film tie into that sense of scale and that scope um, in a way that... I think is smart. I think that they don't bite off more than they can chew with this in any regard or any way. And just that awareness, it gives me hope for the future of um, Ilcho's next film or next project. I don't know if I necessarily need a sequel to this unless they really do capture the social media angle. But I mean, I'm interested to see what his next project is just in terms of like the awareness and the production value that they were able to bring to this. Is, is this in Seoul, by the way? This was in South Korea. From- yeah, so definitely South Korea. I believe it's Seoul just based off they reference Seoul. And also there's a shot, I believe, by the water where there's there's some type of like flower arrangement or hedges arranged that says, I believe it says, I love Seoul on it. So I'm almost positive it takes place in Seoul, but I don't want to be too overly presumptuous, but I would assume so. Is this director at all related or is this in the realm of that Train to Busan film? Like, a, No. So this is completely separate and the director, I believe this is his first film. Oh, wow. That's a hell of a film film. <laughs> yeah. And again, I mean, I think that there's, it plays it a little too safe at times and it makes the overall product feel a little generic and a little disappointing compared to its premise. But I mean, Nobody should turn their nose up at this if this is a directorial debut. Again, don't quote me on that. He might have other films that I'm just not aware of. That's totally possible. But I mean, for it doesn't matter if he's done one film or done five films, like to have this and have it be on the front page of Netflix, like I think that speaks of a promising direction that he could go in. Because again, while I've used the word generic a lot, generic is not unwatchable, right? So I think in that regard, it's definitely a movie that shows promise and I'm excited to uh, check out what he comes up with next. But uh, I'm glad that you picked this movie for us this week because again, it's another one of those zombie movies that uh, was not in my kind of like realm of uh, horror knowledge. And this is why I love having you on because sometimes you point me in the right direction. 
or more often than not, you point me in the right direction. I was going to say, I'm definitely pointing you in the wrong direction. So. <laughs> hey, I've done it too to people. So, but uh, I, I will say to that point, I mean, the, having a platform where you could talk about horror movies, let alone cool zombie movies, is obviously why, you know, we love listening to this show. So, clapping away, man. You're doing a great job. All right, brother. I appreciate it. And I can't wait to have you on again sometime soon in the future. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Daily Horror Habit on your preferred streaming service and follow at Daily Horror Habit on Instagram and at Daily Horror Pod on Twitter.